Hello, and welcome to Season 3 of the Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. This is a podcast designed to provide you with the inspiration, confidence, and strategies for transitioning out of campus-based positions in education toward other opportunities. Hosts Drs. Jamie Hoffman and Tom Studdard pivoted out of campus-based positions and have experienced success by translating our education skills into a new career path. With almost 16,000 downloads across our 35 episodes in our previous seasons, the need is clear and we're back for Season 3. For show notes and information about the podcast, visit pivotingoutofedu.com. Our inboxes are clear that you all need support with your pivot. Therefore, if you're thinking about pursuing an opportunity outside of your campus-based position or know someone who is, check out our website for pivoting resources and our consultation services. If you think this podcast was awesome, please consider giving us a five-star rating. Now, sit back and get ready to be inspired. Hello, and welcome to Pivoting Out of EDU. I'm Jamie Hoffman. And I'm Tom Studdard. And we are here today with Dan Bursch, one of my favorite people. And you know, what's funny is like, we we haven't really spent that much time together, but like you just meet people sometimes and we, we worked together for a period of time. But I just feel like the second I met you, I was like, oh, yes, this is it. Like, I don't know, you were going to be one of my people. And hopefully I'm one of your people, too. So thank you for being here. You want to say hello to everyone? It is great to be here. Thank you for having me. It was uh, work love at first sight, Jamie. And I, I remember when we met for the first time where we were in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I knew it was going to be a fantastic working relationship, that first meeting that we had. And even though we worked on opposite sides of the country, um, it was always wonderful working together. And it's great to be here uh, on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you. And it's cool. You know what I will say too, is like, I think a lot of people when they look to leave higher ed, like they're, they're sad because they they'll miss those university connections. And what I've come to now see with folks that I've, I'm still at the place where we met, but you have moved on and others have too. And I've kept in touch with others as well. And I think that's, it's like, no, that still happens, even if you leave a university, you know, based position. But at any rate, we're going to get started by letting folks know a little bit about you. So if you can just get started and tell us a little bit about your background at the university and just generally your pivot story. I mean, normally say why you made your pivot, but you've had um, some weaving in and out. And I think that that really resonates with people, especially as they think about leaving, they wonder like, could I come back? And so you're kind of an example of um, that you can do that. So we'd love to hear your a little overview of your story. Yeah, I'd be happy to. I I have said for years that I romanticize what higher education is, and I've spent the last 20 years of my life dedicated to the higher ed space. Um, I started my career out at the University of Minnesota, where I spent about 10 years at the University of Minnesota, primarily in admissions and student affairs roles. And I absolutely fell in love from my first day at the College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Minnesota with what this idea of helping students on their journeys. And so in uh, 2011, as I was the director of admissions for the MBA programs at the University of Minnesota, my wife and I, for personal reasons, decided to make a pivot and to leave Minnesota. And I found work through some connections on the higher ed side um, to a company that was then called Tutor and that everyone knows today as 2U. So I was there very early days at Tutor. 
and in a role supporting and helping them to build how they would use an admissions function for the MBA at UNC program, their first online MBA. And with my background in MBA admissions, it was it was a good fit. But in my time there, I enjoyed a lot of the people. My eyes were open to a whole different side. As we talk about making the pivot, you start to see things right away that are very different when you go from the university setting to a partner type of role. The pace of how things work, the speed in which things get done, um, the focus on things that you typically not think about on campus, revenue, acquisition costs of a student, and all of those things that factor into the business side, where when we're on a campus, it's student experience, it's student outcome, and especially for those of us who have spent time at a public university, what's a budget? We don't have a budget, so we just make things happen for what little dollars that we have. And what I found after about a year at Tudor was at that time and point in my career, that wasn't the right fit for me. I wasn't ready yet to leave the side where all we think about is the student, student, student. And so I left to you and pivoted back to the campus. And so I spent a little bit of time at North Carolina State University in Raleigh, uh, leading their student affairs and alumni relations area for their graduate programs. And then from there to the University of North Carolina, to be the head of the MBA at UNC program, which was a fascinating and dynamic to be the partner of the organization in which I had started with. And between those two experiences, I learned a lot because now I could see both sides of the story, how each side is trying to get to the end goal, how they have the same goals, how they might have some different goals. And I think then that really prepared me for what I would say is likely to be my permanent pivot now to the other side outside of the university setting. So after running the MBA at UNC program for about four years, I pivoted to what was a very new startup at the time called Noodle Partners. And I was employee number eight at Noodle. We had just signed our first partner campus when I joined early, early 2017. And it was a wonderful experience from a fit standpoint, from a culture standpoint. There were a lot of fantastic folks that I connected with that made my time there make more sense. What was important to me was there were a lot of folks who were with a university background like myself, like you, Jamie, and Melora, and others that we work with who have spent time on a campus and had that shared vision of, I understand the university, I understand the students, but I also understand the business. And that was really important. So I spent a couple of years at Noodle, really, really enjoyed my time there, made a personal decision to leave Noodle because I was traveling a lot I had a little boy at home. I wanted to be a more part of his life. I took a job at kind of a boutique consulting shop in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that was founded by UNC Chapel Hill faculty. So we had that same type of university feel to the organization. And we did work doing financial consulting and advising in the higher ed space. So for me, it was working in the CFO office, the provost office, and again, a wonderful learning opportunity to see areas of a campus that when you're working for the university, you don't get access to the CFO office as a program director or even a faculty member. So it was this wonderful learning experience. I was enjoying my time at this organization that was called ABC Insights. The organization went through a process where they were going to sell to a new organization and they were going to be acquired. I wasn't really too, maybe say, enthusiastic about kind of where the direction of the org was going next, which I think is important to understand as you make these moves. And it was around that same time that serendipitously, this company called Emeritus reached out to me. 
And Emeritus is where I work today as the Senior Vice President of University Partnerships. We are a global organization focused on creating high quality education that is accessible and affordable to a global market. And so we don't like to call ourselves an OPM. We are a DEE. We are a digital education enabler. And it's our goal is to bring different types of academic programs from degree to non-degree to people around the world. And in this academic year, we'll serve over 250,000 students globally. Over 70% of those students are outside of the United States. And as I've made this kind of journey through outside of, outside of the university setting, this has really now been that right, perfect fit that I've been looking for that has really made a lot of sense for me from a mission standpoint, from a purpose standpoint. I understand the business aspects of what we're doing, but from an alignment standpoint, everything works. And I just am thrilled with the work that we're doing at Emeritus today. Uh, and in my role, talking about bringing on new partners that we work with in North America and around the world, top universities, and help them share our vision of how do we create access to education. Wow, um, what a cool career journey, um, particularly the uh, sort of pivot out and then pivot in. Um, I, I hear a lot and I hear some angst from some of our listeners and folks in sort of the social media channels that Jamie and I are in about, if I leave, can I come back? Is it something that's possible? What if I get, what if I get into corporate and I hate it? Um, and you know, in our first season, we interviewed a current vice chancellor for student affairs who said, yes, you can come back. And even though we tell people, yes, you can come back, um, there's still that angst. And so I appreciate sort of the, the, the lens that you're bringing. I also really am excited about and don't take this sort of weirdly, I love your title. Um, and I think the reason I love your title is because I see a lot of those positions posted at companies like yours, like Jamie's, like some of the other ones in that space. And when I see it, I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Like I would be great at something like that, right? Like I worked with universities and I, but there is the business aspect of it. It's not just, so, you know, it's not just like the, the uh, a student affairs job outside of higher ed. It's, it's a business job that works closely with universities. And so I want you to for maybe for our listeners if you could just sort of deep dive into the role a little bit but really sort of talk through like what's your day-to-day -day like what 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 it is that you do what what type of work you know is your is in your wheelhouse and and particularly you know if somebody is looking to move into something like this they might not be ready for a senior vice president role but into something that's in the university relations or university partnership space what 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 does it take to be successful in that type of a role yeah, that's a great question. When Emeritus first reached out to me about, you know, summer of 2019, and I spoke with the CEO uh, and co-founder, Ashwin Demera, and he was the first person I connected with at the company. And I, I warned him. I said, Ashwin, if you bring me on board, I will always be students first, university second, Emeritus third, because that will always be who I am. I, I was the guy that would cry at every graduation ceremony. Even with my 40-something MBA graduates, I would get teary-eyed. And I was so proud of the journey and what they would do with their careers. And I said, fundamentally, if we think about those things in that order, we will be successful. But I want to make sure that the partners that we work with know that I know, appreciate, and Emeritus knows and appreciates all of the challenges that they have and the obstacles they have to doing things and creating access. And it's not as easy as we think it is. We know that. And so as I think about my day-to-day -day and what I try to do is I have a team of folks on my university partnership team, and we have a philosophy 
And our goal is to find what's the right program with the right partner that we can put in the right place in the world at the right price to make sure it's accessible economically in different parts of the world. And then it just becomes a really fun exercise of exploring relationships, finding new relationships with people on campuses across the United States and into Canada and other parts of the world to say, hey, there is a gap in this part of Latin America for a skill set that looks like this. And we think you would be a great institution to help provide a fill to that gap so that students can learn, take that knowledge and apply it to their careers. This is what we do at Emeritus to help universities find those students to work in those markets and create the fill to that gap to help these students. And I think that what is great about a role like this is if you think student first and university first, it gets a lot of campuses excited about the possibilities of what their knowledge can do to impact the world. You know, show me a president or a provost that doesn't think about impact both domestically and ultimately globally. And how do we make that impact around the world? And so on a day-to-day -day basis, we just get to think and look and we say, okay, what, what do we need to fill here in this gap in the Middle East, in Shanghai, China versus Beijing, China? What are the knowledge gaps that professionals need to create access to? And then who are the right institutions here in the United States or in Canada or wherever to fill those gaps? It's a lot of conversations. It's a lot of getting people to think outside of maybe their traditional comfort zone, because all of us who spent any time on a campus, it's easy to quickly get into that, well, this is what we do here mentality. And even more so, this is how we've always done it. I've done that. You all have done that. Our listeners to this podcast know it and live that. Uh, and it's easy to get into that, that place. And so thinking about, well, what if we delivered this particular piece of your degree curriculum as a certificate in Portuguese to a Brazilian market online? Let's think about that and then walk through how that works from a pedagogical standpoint, a delivery standpoint, an impact standpoint, what's it look like financially and what we do. We're always very straightforward. I've said this too many times in my, my non-EDU career. I don't work for a not-for-profit. We are a for-profit entity. So let's be upfront about that. But we want to make sure you're successful in every part of this endeavor. And then let's walk along this path together. And I think for folks who come from the institutional side like myself, having lived and sat in those chairs and had those same conversations from a university standpoint, I think it's a whole lot easier to relate and have those conversations now on this side of the aisle, as I'd like to say, because I, I've been in those shoes. I've had those conversations. I've lived these relationships, and we want to create something that's a win for them, that's a win for students, and a win for us as well. But let's create that access together and get you thinking really creatively on where you could go to impact the world. So... What I love about what you just shared is that I don't think we made explicit that technically partnerships is sales, right? Like in the business world, partnerships is sales and, or sorry, in the ed tech world. And I don't think that listeners would have put that together based on how you described your job. And I think that's the point, right? Is that and a lot of people, I think, have, you know, we have a fear of sales and what does that mean? And we've had folks on the show talk up, like they've said explicitly, like, well, if you really believe in what you're selling, it doesn't really feel like sales. 
Um, and, and for you, you know, not, you believe it so well that you don't, you didn't even reference the sales part. It was much more, it's much more, you know, what we do in higher ed, which is finding a need and, and finding a way to meet that need. So I, I think that that is great and will resonate with people as they think about how they can contribute. And also like want to highlight the fact that, you know, we wanted to know, you know, sort of what led you back to the campus and and how do you know business-wise where you want to be? And I know you shared that you said, these are the things that are important to me. And, and I think that's important to share with listeners too. And to emphasize this fact of, you know, like for me, I, I did work for at a for-profit university at, at one point in my career. And I learned after a month that it wasn't a fit because the really it was retain students at all costs, even if it's not a fit for them. So I knew to at least ask a question about that in the interview process, but I would encourage, you know, candidates, um, folks thinking, you know, about moving, especially ed adjacent. If you're worried about it being not student focused, ask questions and then tell them up front, like you did, Dan, like, you know, I know this is a business. I want the business to make money and students are going to come first for me. So, you know, I think people have a fear that that won't be the case, but you're part of controlling your destiny. And and I, that was part of what I said when I uh, switched to ed tech was, you know, I'm always going to do what's best for students, even if that means encouraging them to take a semester off or moving elsewhere. Um, and if that's not what you want, then that's okay, you know. And so, I think I just wanted to highlight that as a as a thing to consider. And I, I think too, it would be great to know. Or am I? Is this your turn, Tom? <laughs> I might be stepping over you. I'm just so into your story right now. No, I think it's, it's, it's your turn. Nope, it's your turn. Oh, okay, okay. You know, with your with your weaving um, two different roles, and not only you know because you were student affairs, admissions, um, program like management in a business school. How did you approach sort of crafting your resume or your relationships, et cetera, to kind of? I mean, you've had like even many pivots within higher ed that sometimes people are like just housing or just student affairs. So. What would you say are some key strategies that you use to kind of flex those transition pivoting muscles? Yeah, that's a great question. And if we can be honest, and I love being honest, a lot of it sometimes is luck. Yeah. I was wonderfully fortunate at the University of Minnesota to work for an assistant dean who just believed in me. And I worked hard and I was successful in admissions. She then put me in charge of student affairs. And then back to and, and kept evolving. And, and that was that was luck. And so I was able to acquire different skills. I think that from a career standpoint, this idea of, well, this is how we always do things in higher ed ultimately can impact the individual because they think, well, this is what my role is here at this university. And they don't stop to think about what they do, how it impacts the broader campus or even more broadly within a school they may sit in, and then what the skill sets they're learning adjacent to the actual day-to-day job that can be pivotal and applicable to another role. So I think as we think about pivoting, this line that we see in every institutional job description of other duties as assigned is probably the most important thing you can think about in terms of crafting your resume and the things that you're doing on a day-to-day basis that don't quote unquote fit the job description. I I saw actually a wonderful, hilarious meme today about these people interviewing a candidate and the interviewer said, hey, 
we have this great thing at our company. When you do your job well, you get to do other people's job too. And I, I think that's so, you know, <laughs> true in many organizations, but especially higher ed, because we're short-staffed on the campus side and there's always more to do. So we pick up and we do it. And I, I've seen that mentality at the University of Minnesota, at North Carolina State, at UNC Chapel Hill. And I think it really speaks to the work ethic and the commitment people have to higher ed. So then as I think about that to pivot adjacent to higher ed, so let's move into the ed tech space or some sort of provider partner vendor space. Thinking about what you've done on a campus and how it relates in one of two ways is key to position yourself to this type of position. Piece one is if you have a lot of relationships because you've been to conferences and other industry events, that is so valuable to organizations who are working around higher ed and with institutions. I know that my network of business school deans, associate deans, and assistant deans from my time at three top business schools was a huge draw when I first started talking with Noodle about joining that organization. And we went to work and we started talking to business schools and it was fantastic. And it becomes very relatable because we've, we've been in that space. The other piece though, is that as companies come up with ideas for service products or partnership models, oftentimes they're ideas that come are, are born out of folks who are not higher ed folks, if you will. They're not from a university setting. And you can look at a product or an opportunity and say, well, you know, this is really, really good. But if I'm the head of tutoring services at University X, Y, or Z, what I really need is this. You've hit two thirds of it, but this is that last one third. And I can walk you through what that one third is because I've seen it, lived it, and know how it impacts students. And so that kind of inside knowledge that you have of how the machine really, really works is wildly valuable to these companies who are trying to come up with great ideas that might help students or help faculty or help program development because you have that inside knowledge. There's the idea of everyone is a special snowflake or every institution is a special snowflake. I am 100% convinced that when you really start to look at how a university works, it is a snowflake onto itself in the world that we live in. Universities go about things in very different ways um, that are very structured for this university environment that oftentimes won't resonate with a serial entrepreneur or a great tech person who's got a great tech innovation that should be leveraged in higher ed, but maybe they don't know exactly how it can be leveraged in higher ed. And so folks who have lived this experience with the universities, I think are in a wonderful position to bring this knowledge base of how a university works to these organizations. And if you find an organization, and we talk about fit, and you know, Jamie, I thought we had a great fit at Noodle. Noodle was a fabulous fit, where the people who are working at this company view higher ed as an entity similar to you do and share those same values of student success and student outcomes, then it becomes a really match made in heaven. And you can find these organizations that just align with you and you're doing something good. You're in this space, but just on, like I said, the other side of the aisle. Yeah, that's that's how I've, you know, I don't I don't work in the education in the sort of the ed tech or education adjacent space. I do work in an educational role within a corporation. And it it is interesting, you know, just to echo what you said is while my I don't call them students, we call them sort of the learners. 
the, there is a lot of, of what you what you talked about, even in, within the role that I have, which is sort of that one third that's missing. And when I got to the, the company that I'm at, the one third that was missing was the sort of the theoretical constructs of how somebody learns, um, you know, and, and it's something that, that those of us in higher ed can bring, whether we go into, you know, something that is ed adjacent or ed tech or even just something completely different. The, the folks in higher ed, at least that I have found, uh, you offer that one third just about to any role that you're going into because you have a different sort of lens that you're bringing, which is, I think, part of the reason that higher ed folks struggle to get that first interview, to get that first pivot out, because there is that little bit of a disconnect between language. There's a disconnect between, you know, the company going, why is this person trying to leave when their world is so different? But the note that you have there and the, the takeaway that I, that I hope our listeners get is that one third is what you bring. And that's a huge amount to a project, to an initiative, to a company, um, to help them sort of rethink their lens of whatever it is that they're working on. I, 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 it, that really resonated with me. I, I think the other thing that's exciting for folks who are looking to make the pivot is then let's talk about that two thirds you, you reference mm-hmm. because you're gonna go to these organizations and they're gonna approach things dramatically different in many ways. So when I pivoted from the University of Minnesota to Tudor, now to you, I was just blown away with how far ahead they were of an institution in terms of marketing and technology. The assistant dean who I referred to, and I'm going to have to give her a shout out. Her name is Catherine Carlson. She made my career. Um, She called me up. We were talking after I'd been gone for a few months. And she said, what's the biggest difference that you see now that you're on this side versus the university side? And I said, Catherine, they are 15 years ahead of where we ever could be on marketing and we will never catch up on the university side. And so when I pivoted back then to the campus, that learning and understanding and those two thirds that I could apply at North Carolina State and at UNC was dramatically impactful. So you can make the pivot and pivot back and now you've gained something immense because that two thirds can be applicable to the campus. So now you've got the best of both worlds from an opportunity. And then that really opens doors for you to find, okay, well, what's that ultimate right fit for me? But I see the whole landscape now. And I think we have to recognize as institutional university employees, as we think about this, this world of ed tech, the world of partnerships between universities and off-campus, we'll call them vendors, is not changing. There is so much out there that it partners do to support universities. That piece is only going to stay and grow over our lifetimes and our careers. So embracing that and understanding what that two-thirds is and maybe helping to contribute to the one-third or coming back with that knowledge is nothing but, I think, an accelerator for someone's career to have this kind of full big picture of how you can ultimately serve students and be successful. Because if we do well with the right tools and the right financial models, everybody's going to win. Yeah. I... um. I often think that I could pivot back to a director of admissions or a vice president of enrollment management after having worked in a company that we like our whole world depends on on lead gen and demand gen, right? Like we we are trying to get more people to buy our product, which is exactly what an admission office does, right? They're trying to get more students to quote unquote buy the product, the product being the, you know, the the educational institution. And I sometimes think like Here, when a when a when a customer contacts us or when a prospect contacts us, we have a five minute sort of SLA to get back in touch with that 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 prospect. 
in the university world, it was like, well, we may or may not see you at the next career fair. Um, and there are so many things that, like you said, that we that those of us in in sort of the business world, if we pivoted back, we have that 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 different lens. And I, I love that you sort of put a fine point on that. Um, so Dan, I have sort of one last question for you. Uh, and it's sort of in summary, if you could sum up in one sentence for us, the advice that you have uh, for someone looking to make an original pivot out of a campus-based position. If you've learned anything about me in the last 30 minutes, I can't sum up anything in one sentence. So I'm gonna ask for two. <laughs> yes, you can. As we think about sure. this. Um, but, but my advice would be this. If you're thinking about making a pivot, there are two critical things you should look at when analyzing organizations that you might want to pivot to. Number one, what does that company do? And does it align with you from a passion standpoint and why you chose a career in education? Because there are companies out there that are doing really important things on the technology side. And you could go into a sales role and, and sell LMS services or some sort of technical piece. But if that's not why you're in education, you shouldn't do that. So find a company that aligns with you, your passion and why you're in education. And then number two, really look at the people who are at the company and understand their backgrounds. And when you talk to them, why they have started this company or have launched this product, what is their reason for moving into the education space? You have to accept the fact that yes, it's going to be to make money. And that's different for those of us who come from a university setting. But if the reason also resonates with, in my case, creating access to a global audience for students of, of fantastic institutions and educational opportunities, then that's what moves me. That's why I got into education in the first place. And that becomes an alignment. So if you ask these questions, then I think you can find those right fits for you and have a great pivot into a new role. Yeah, great advice. And I really appreciate that you sort of put a fine point on really finding a role that that fits you just as much as uh, a, a sort of a company that fits sort of who you are. Um, you know, in, in higher ed, we, we tend to be passionate about education. We tend to be mission-driven, um, service-driven, uh, and finding a company that allows you to continue having that as a part of who you are is, is really important. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. This was this was a great conversation. Um, I know Jamie knew you before this uh, particular episode and she raved and raved about you. So um, everything that she said is true. So thank you so much for joining us. Before I close up, I do wanna make one quick little show note. Uh, Jamie chatted me during the during uh, the last question uh, to ask me to explain what an SLA is because I mentioned that phrase and we recognize that many folks uh, around who are listening might not know some of the terminology that we use. And that's also a note to me. I get so used to the terminology we use. I forget that uh, folks in higher ed might not even know that. So an SLA is a service level agreement. It is essentially an agreement between you and your customer of how long uh, something might take you to respond to. So for example, customer support may have an SLA of 24 business or 24 hours, uh, which means that if you submit a support ticket to our organization, you'll hear back from us in 24 hours. So it's a it's a agreement between two entities that essentially uh, says that we will do this in this amount of time and we will solve it in, in this sort of way. Um, sometimes it's contractual, sometimes it's just more um, sort of um, not spoken and more of an internal agreement uh, within teams. So wanted to make sure I've clarified that for folks. Again, Dan, thanks again so much for joining us. For everybody who's listening, make sure that you join us next week for another fantastic guest on the Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Pivoting Out of EDU. For show notes and more information about the podcast and our consultation services, visit pivotingoutofedu.com. 